If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, did this story end last hour, and i just been thinking about it. So, they ask students at one of the most prestigious business schools in America, what's the average person make in America? And they were wildly wrong. Now, it's a really hard school to get into, which by definition means it's expensive, which by definition means most of the students are rich. Doesn't matter how progressive your university is, it's just a fact that if it's an expensive university, most of the kids there are rich. Huh? How do you like that, progressives? You've worked out a system where the rich people get to go to the best universities. Anyway, um, I was just thinking, I don't know if I would have been able to guess even close as as a college student or a grad student, uh, yeah, uh, uh, my dad. Ne- I I I never knew how much money my dad made or anybody else. Uh, really, I don't think I would have been close. And maybe that's something we should be. Maybe young people should be aware of this. I, I understand the like. I don't tell my kids what I make. Uh, I understand why why we don't. And in America, at least, that's kind of seen as uncool. But shouldn't young people have like a rough idea what the average person makes? Wouldn't that be beneficial to their lives? Uh, yeah, I suppose so. I think sure. in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Expectations, yeah. taxation, all kinds of different things. Well, one of the reasons I'm fairly contemptuous of the young and their political opinions is that, you know, to be to be a fully formed human being who is up for the uh, the responsibility of being a leader whether an actual leader in government or enterprise or whatever, or an intellectual leader or somebody whose ideas are worth listening to, is, you know, sometimes I think of it in terms of computers. You have to have a reasonably effective uh, chip. You know, you have to have reasonable intelligence. Not It need not be fabulous, but reasonable. But then you need data. You need enough information in there, life experience, 
that you've got anything to compute. I, if you have no idea the way life really works, the way government really works, if you're not experienced enough to be pretty cynical about that stuff, you just don't know enough to be spouting off to the rest of us. Um, and then, you know, there's the question of wisdom, and it's a little more difficult to uh, come up with a computer analogy f- for that. But, uh, you know, when you incorporate not only data and your intelligence, but the human spirit and and uh, and and the frailty of man and the rest of it, and then a little bit of age, then you start to get wisdom. Then I'm interested in your opinion. You know, I was just uh, the more I think about it, there should be a high school class, at least one before you graduate, where you learn a whole bunch of things just about society. What do most people die of? What is the average salary that people make? Huh. You know, what what are what are the most dangerous things you can do? Um. Or, or things that are talked about that aren't dangerous. Uh, well, actually, a lot of the stuff we talk about on the show a lot should be a high school class. You should come out of high school knowing heart disease is the most likely thing to get me. Shark attacks never happen, but car wrecks are common. You know, that sort of stuff. Okay, you know what? I've got it. I've got it because we've talked about this a fair amount. Three classes. Number one, civics. How the government's supposed to work, how it actually works. Yes, I know. It wide open a bias. Absolutely. Second, microeconomics. How does an individual, a family, make it economically? Salaries, taxes, payroll taxes. How does a small business work? How much money do they actually make? How does it affect them when wages rise, when inputs rise, uh, regulations, etc.? Everybody should take microeconomics. And the third thing is human physiology. Like you say, how does the human body work? And not just like the genitals, um, which (laughs) evidently has become, you know, a huge uh, priority. They taught me how to make a baby, but not how to avoid heart disease. Right. Or what's the most common cancer and all that sort of stuff, right? Right, exactly. How how did I come? But instead, we're we're teaching freaking woke garbage. God, I think I could craft a, a high school class. Wouldn't even have to be the whole year. Just, you know, I don't know. A couple of weeks of it, just for an hour. So you come out of there knowing, what's the average person make? Um, what's the average college graduate make versus the average person who doesn't? You know, do it with that information what you will. Um, I think it'd be good to tell people, uh, you know, the, 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 the top 20% of income earners pay 80% of the taxes or whatever it is. You know, decide whether you think that's okay or not, but here's the information. Yeah. Yeah, I was just reading more about the the college thing, by the way, and the uh, the effect of pouring enormous mountains of federal money and loans into it, and how it's it just causes cause the cost of it to to just skyrocket uh, upward. Meanwhile, and this is something else we've discussed: the amount of coursework, the rigor of the academics, the amount professors teach, and the time students uh, spend studying has been going downward at the same time in a pretty steep curve and the real world this is where there where kind of wisdom and data comes into it the real world effect of that is that increasingly employers look at a black bachelor's degree and say so what mm. so if you want to distinguish yourself then and make it clear that you've actually achieved something academically and you are more impressive than the average dope what do you have to do you have to go to grad school. Right. You have to get a master's, maybe a PhD, which means you accumulate another $75,000 in debt. Oh, man, what a scam. So anyway. a quarter of the students at Wharton were off by double of what the average person makes, which, by the way, is about $53,000 a year. 
Um, I wouldn't have known that when I was that age either. I think I'd have been better off entering the world having some idea of what the average salary is than well, what a gerund is. And, <laughs> I'm just sorry. I think I would have been a more beneficial to me. And and it would take five minutes to go over the average salary in ten different geographic areas. Sure. Oh, my and, God. How, and the how kids interesting. Would say, wow, yeah. that's interesting. Why would I have to figure that out through? Well, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's a radical suggestion. If we break on time for once in our lives, we'll have plenty of time for a tsunami of wokeness. You've often told me the key to breaking on time is to stop talking. That's the way I see it. Okay. So we'll do that. Text line 415-295-KFTC, a tsunami of wokeness on the way. I haven't watched the video. Maybe I'll check it out. TNT broadcaster Charles Barkley weirdly cleans his glasses with his giant tongue. <laughs> well, he's a big man. I haven't Makes seen sense that. he's got a large tongue. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there's craziness sweeping the land. The so-called enlightened left forcing their bizarre ideas down our throats. Some might call it a tsunami of wokeness. There's a tsunami of wokeness. Everything woke turns to sh. <laughs> there is a tsunami of wokeness. We could start, first of all, with California's Jefferson Elementary School District. First district in the United States who implement ethnic studies courses in all of their elementary and middle schools. The new curriculum includes teaching children to become left-wing co-conspirators. The presentation explains that the curriculum is designed to, quote, eliminate racism and other forms of oppression by creating, learning, listening, uncovering, and sharing of the his and her stories. Oh, boy. Experiences, current conditions of those, blah, 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 if you systemic hear, racism, blah, blah, blah. If you hear or see the term herstory at your school, you got to get your kid out of there. The second unit condemns America as institutionally racist and teaches children that white supremacy is entrenched in American systems such as education. The unit also indicts white people as the benefits of beneficiaries of racism, claiming that they use the system of white supremacy to maintain their wealth, power, and privilege. Again, this is elementary school and middle school. Where did you say this is happening? Uh, California, of course, Cal Unicordia, Daly City, California. Oh, boy, Bay Area. And so, uh, like we were just talking about a little ago, hey, hey, can you teach, like, some basic economics, some basic health, a few things that would uh, would would give you, a, you know, a little head start as you head out the door? Nah, institutional racism is a better thing to teach. That, that'll really help you in your job. And the final unit teaches children how they can, and I quote, pursue true liberation through an understanding of solidarity, liberation, collective action, intersectionality, and dismantling systemic oppression. Children, little children, are also taught that, quote, to achieve true liberation, we must actively and collectively work together to dismantle various systems of oppression, institutional racism, white supremacy, etc. It's a tsunami of wokeness, folks. I don't, I don't remember. Do we play that? Okay. 
That's it's too a, long. Right, here a, we go. It's a tsunami. There's a tsunami of wokeness. Meanwhile, Portland, Oregon, Beaverton parents expressed frustration at Tuesday's virtual school board meeting about a new Genders and Sexualities Alliance Club at Raleigh Hills Elementary for fourth and fifth grade students. They have a, a club rallying with transgender kids and up with all sorts of gender bending madness uh, for the fourth and fifth graders. Some parents said, I don't think this is an appropriate age for this sort of thing. And uh, district officials, uh, oh, I'm sorry, a parent shot back. If students came forward and asked to start a video game club or a chess club, would they be upset if they didn't get parental consent? I think it's that they're maybe homophobic, transphobic, queerphobic. I don't know what it is, but I do have to question the morality and logic, said a thoroughly woke parent. Moving along, because there's so much. We mentioned um, a couple of days ago about this young journalist, Tara Henley, who is resigning from the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Uh, and she said, as we mentioned, I used to, it used to be that I was the one furthest to the left in any newsroom. I am now easily the most conservative, frequently sparking tensions by questioning identity politics. This happened in a span of about 18 months. My own politics did not change. To work at the CBC in the current climate is to embrace cognitive dissonance and to abandon journalistic integrity. It is to sign on enthusiastically to a radical political agenda that originates on Ivy League campuses in the United States and spread through American social media platforms to monetize outrage and stoke societal divisions. It is is to pretend that the woke worldview is near universal even if it is far from popular with those you know and speak to and interview and read. To work at the CBC now is to accept the idea that race is the most significant thing about the person, about any person, and that some races are more relevant to the public conversation than others. Listen to what's happening in the CBC. It is in my newsroom to fill out racial profile forms for every guest you book and speak to, to actively book more people of some races and less of others. Wow. To work at the CBC is to submit to job interviews that are not about qualifications or experience, but instead demand the parroting of orthodoxies, the demonstration of fealty to dogma. It is to become less adversarial to government and corporations and more hostile to ordinary people with ideas that Twitter doesn't like. I want to talk about the term conservative later when we're done with this. I heard an interesting podcast about that the other day. Yeah, and she goes on. This is so good. I'll hit. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I tell you what. She's on a roll. Ah, uh, so again, it's about ganging up on normal people on Twitter. It is to endlessly document microaggressions, but pay little attention to evictions. Um, to spotlight companies' political platitudes, but have little interest in wages or working conditions. It's to allow sweeping societal changes like lockdowns, vaccine mandates, and school closures to roll out with little debate. Uh, bah, bah, bah. It is to consent to the idea that a growing list of subjects are off the table, that dialogue itself can be harmful, that the big issues of our time are already settled. It is to capitulate to certainty, to shut down critical thinking, to stamp out curiosity, to keep one's mouth shut, to not ask questions, to knock or to not rock the boat. How could good journalism possibly be done under such conditions? How could any of this possibly be healthy for society? 
You know, I've read enough of her work to know we disagree on a lot of stuff, but you, uh, salute, my darling, for your your courage and your eloquence. What a great, great little editorial. So is Canada just off the rails, or is that where we're headed? That's what I wonder. I would say that the forces of uh, the tsunami of wokeness absolutely hope we are headed toward Canada and the U.K., for that matter, and other places. That's what they're trying to do as hard as they can. And then uh, a little more tsunami of wokeness stuff. A couple of law enforcement stories that I find really curious and illustrate what we were talking about earlier, the whole crazy doctrine of disparate impact. If something is unequal, it's proof of racism. The Seattle Police Department announced at the end of last week of sweeping new policies as to how officers initiate most traffic stops. And indeed, they're going to eliminate most traffic stops because in the name of equity, because it seems like more people of uh, color get pulled over. The following violations will no longer be reasons for an officer to legitimately stop a car. Expired or missing vehicle registration. Or the uh, the it's expired. Uh, issues with license plates, no plate, that sort of thing. Technical violations, um, etc. So expired registration, they can no longer pull you over. Okay. And then finally this, and this is really interesting because it's it's uh, from ProPublica.org, which is a way left uh, publication. The headline is, Chicago's race-neutral traffic cameras ticket black and Latino drivers the most. When you left it up to the coppers to pull people over where there were the most traffic problems, turned out to be more black people getting pulled over by white people. And so Woke Woke Chicago said, okay, uh, let's go ahead and do it with cameras more. Speed cameras, red light cameras, that sort of thing. Uh-oh. But, but those are ticketing black people more than white people, said Ola Tunji Oboy Reed, a longtime activist for racial equity and transportation in Chicago. We felt the brunt of it in a way white people didn't. Uh, Racist fortune- cameras? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Racist computers? Racist robots? I- exactly. And they write, similar racial and income disparities in camera ticketing have been documented elsewhere. They mention Rochester, New York, Miami, Florida, Washington, D.C. Turns out more people black people run red lights i guess but because of the disparate number or proportion of people who get ticketed it's proof that the cameras are racist they have to be eliminated uh could have fit a tsunami of wokeness there's a tsunami of wokeness there's a tsunami of wokeness could have fit in with it m&m characters are about to become more inclusive maybe we'll get to that later you'll see that during a super bowl ad I, I'm sorry, are we talking about the crunchy yet chocolatey candy? We are. The we are. candy's going to get more woke. CDC out with a new study about how effective natural immunity is that maybe you'll agree with, maybe you won't. If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist Season 2, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever. And the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, this is fun. I saw that Queen Elizabeth is getting into the condiment business. That's right, she's releasing her own royal estate tomato sauce. Yeah, the Queen says tomato sauce is just like her mother's servant used to make. I like that. So uh, here's a good one on the COVID. Uh, someone, uh, someone texted that they believe there are co-workers in their midst who are taking advantage of COVID protocols. I can't Good imagine Lord. that anybody would do that. This is uh, sort of place where it'd be very difficult to get fired. But um, this is a lazy person's dream. If you say you were exposed, you get to go get tested and, and w- wait two days at home until you get the results. Oh, boy. Then, then uh, one person has about six weeks off probably doing this if you have any symptoms. You know, sore throat, runny nose. You get to stay home the whole week. Has done that about six times. Oh, my gosh. Two 10-day quarantines for being exposed. Then family was sick, so he stayed home. Two days per shot on that. It just all adds up. Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. Easy to do. Wow. If If you had that sort of a job? Yeah. Easy to do. Those of us who don't, who have the sort of job where you feel like, you know, anytime you're not there, it's in danger of ruining your business. 
are, are in the opposite situation where, God dang, the, the protocols they have around here, I need to lie to get around them because it's allergy season. And if I tell anybody I got a runny nose, I have to stay home according to the rules. Right. Or you have yeah. to keep your kid at home. That's why everybody's lying. Anyway, this is also a uh, working class sort of a job. Uh, you know, manly men working outside, uh, spitting, chewing tobacco, that sort of thing. And so there has been uh, a, a memo go out. Your diligence in practicing good hygiene practices and work behaviors is critical to minimizing no spitting in trash cans, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Oh, for God's sake, spitting in trash cans? Because of all the COVID that spread that way. Right. We all read about that, of course. I was just having a conversation <laughs> with somebody uh, back to the whole school thing and whether or not the kids are actually wearing the masks or the school is enforcing the mask wearing like the county wants. Is that uh, uh, a school I'm aware of that um, has a, a mask mandate and people mostly wear masks in class, but they are having high school wrestling this year. So you got like 40 people, no masks, in a room, on a mat, Breathing as hard as you can breathe with your faces pressed together. <laughs> it's I'm as for, if all these protocols are completely illogical. And I'm for having the wrestling. I think having these extracurricular activities and an outlet and exercise is all good. And the fact that we did away with it for two years is horrible. But you can't justify making them wear a mask then as soon as wrestling practice is over in the hallway. I can't. I don't think you could create a better way to spread COVID than wrestling. You're breathing as hard as you can with your face. Your nose is like smashed together practically most of the time. Hilarious. Right. And for good reason, they're letting the kids do that. Yeah, we got an email from a teacher uh, not long ago about he'd observed at a school board meeting that the uh, school board members were kind of letting their masks sag. One of them kind of had it off and he thought, hmm. And so just stopped enforcing the mask thing in his classroom. One class caught on. Another one didn't. And the one class just pretty much stopped wearing masks in the classroom, and he was fine with that. Yeah, I became aware yesterday of a, a, a classroom, a school, where, uh, yeah, wearing wearing it down around your chin, the chin diaper, or taking it completely off is just, like, grown over recent weeks, and nobody's doing anything, So, and I'm not going to. Good. It's um, kids. They're fine. So the CDC is out with a new study. This is kind of interesting. So prior to the Delta variant, the original COVID that caused all the shutdowns and everything like that, you were about half as likely with your vaccination to get COVID than somebody with natural immunity. The vaccine was significantly better than natural immunity for the original COVID. Then Delta hit, and Delta became the dominant strain for a long time, and um, you know we had shutdowns and all that. It flipped. The unvaccinated with natural immunity, were much less likely to get COVID than those who were vaccinated. So it it changed with the new variant. Mm-hmm. So natural immunity was better than the vaccine for Delta. They don't know what it is for Omicron because it's too early to have the data for that. So both y'all were right uh, if you were making the argument one side or the other. At some point you were right. Those are natural immunity is not as good. Natural immunity is better. Well, both are true depending on which variant you're talking about. Right, yeah, it's it's essentially the same disease, but the way it behaves changes based on these variants. Uh, the new one, the Omicron, it, it hangs around your nose and kind of your throat and just the upper respiratory system. Uh, the Delta, it's thrived in the deep lung tissue, which is why it was so dangerous. So yeah, it's just it's it's a, it's like a cousin, but it's not the same bug. Huh. So I have not seen the M M&M and M ads with the green M M&M. and M. 
who apparently is portrayed by a female in white go-go boots. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know her act. Sexy Eminem? Ooh. I'd like to melt her shell. Is that a euphemism for sex? You want no. to have sex with her? No. Is that what you're saying? Good Lord, no. No. Anyway, I guess there's been some pushback against the candy maker about the... Has there, really? About the sexy M&M. How much? And now the M&M will no longer have white go-go boots on, but a pair of sneakers. And a description of the green candy on the M&M's website now says she enjoys being a hyper woman for my friends. Okay, so this is like a hashtag candy me too? (laughs) I, I don't know. And I can't tell if it's like we were talking about earlier. You can't tell what's fake anymore. It's impossible. So this is either a great move by the candy maker to get attention for their candy and none of this really happened, or it's completely real and they were having meetings every day how to deal with the Twitter left who came after him because of the go-go boots. I have no idea which is true. Or it's an internet hoax. Or it could be that. But how how would you know in the modern world? It's impossible to know. You wouldn't. Yeah. And, and, well, there's, uh, yeah, and as I understand, there are, there are more changes, too. It's not just the sexy, sexy green M&M with her, uh, with her go, go-go boots. Additionally, the green and brown M&Ms will begin to foster a more friendly relationship to act as a force-supporting women. The candy. The red M&M will ditch his bullying tendencies and be kinder to other M&Ms, and the orange M&M, quote, embraces his true self, worries and all, in solidarity with the more anxious Gen Z generation. This is all from Mars Candy, allegedly, or it's a hoax. <laughs> and who knows? Or it's a stunt to get publicity. Three options, and any of them could be true. But things are so crazy that it could be for real. I suspect it is. We talked about it. I'm thinking about M&M's. I like them. Maybe I buy some. Probably not. Uh, we need to take a break. Meatloaf is dead. Not the 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 food. It will live on. Right. Do we have to break a, take a break because Meatloaf is dead? Or was there like a, a period in there? No, we don't have to. <laughs> Take a break because Meatloaf is dead. Okay. We have to take a break. Meatloaf is dead. Oh, the great singer. The singer. And what did you say, Hanson? Hanson said something in my ear. Oh, we have another death. Another celebrity death. Breaking news. No. I can't take it. Breaking news. Celebrity death. When news breaks, the donkey prays. I remember we interviewed Dennis Miller, the great comedian, one time, and I asked him... Dennis what he... Miller has died, no, ladies and gentlemen. No. Dennis the Miller. late Dennis Miller. Dennis... He'll long be remembered. I'm sorry? Dennis Miller's fine. Uh, ask Dennis Miller, um, uh, who is a colleague, radio host, um, who are the best stand-up comedians of all time? And he listed several, and I, I don't know if he remember. He had him number one or two, but had him really high. Louis Anderson. Mm. Great Louis Anderson has died. Hmm. Uh, COVID? Or he got the booster? He got oh, cancer. Geez, he got. He had cancer. It. Oh yeah, he was not in great health for a long time. Very oh. overweight guy always. So that was part of his act. But yeah, okay. Yeah. Um. Uh, well, jeez. Tough day for uh, heavy set aging stars of the nineties slash seventies. Right. Um, Meatloaf, the singer, sold over a hundred million albums. If you think I kind of know who Meatloaf is, or I barely remember Meatloaf, oh, sold yeah. over a hundred million albums. Dude had a hell of a voice, too. 
One of the best-selling albums in the history of music is Bat Out of Hell. And then Bat Out of Hell 2, Return to Hell, which I guffawed at when I heard about <laughs> is that it. a real title? His, his re, uh, you know, reconnection with the, the unforgivable Jim Steinman, purveyor of uh, overwrought schmaltz for mm-hmm. many decades. That sold something like 15 million copies. Wow. 15 million. Uh, got some interesting meatloaf tidbits for you. He was a star of The Apprentice. Maybe you know him through that. Uh, when sure. he get in fights with Gary Busey. Anyway, we got more news on the way, also all on the way. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Biggest hit for Meatloaf, right? Uh, no, I don't. You don't think, think so. so? No, I think uh, once, twice, three times a lady, or whatever that song was you're talking Two about. Two out of three ain't bad. That's the one. Yeah, 
in terms of airplane? No, no, I just meant most popular. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Good question. Paradise. I have always loved this song since the first time I heard it. It is worth hearing if you've never heard it before. It's very, very long, and it's a story. It's like an opera or a play or something like that. Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. And uh, Meatloaf has died. It says here they think of COVID. He had COVID in recent days, and he was old and overweight. So, decent chance if he got COVID, it did kill him. Um... Or, as the internet is saying, he got the booster shot, and that's what killed him. The internet should shut up. Uh, Meatloaf (laughs) gave Charles Manson a ride as a hitchhiker many, many years ago. Didn't know it until he saw Manson show up on the TV. Said, I gave that guy a ride once. Among other claims to fame, a lot of talk about groupies. I don't know why rock and roll stars get such a kick of telling us about that. I think we all know about the phenomenon. Um, He might rank, though, as the guy who... Uh, had the most promiscuous sex life for people in his looks range. <laughs> really? Fighting above his weight, don't you, you think? You know, the man has just passed. What, what, what do I think? I don't know. I don't know who he had sex with. I've never even entertained the notion. Well, he's bragging about a lot of groupies, and I'm just thinking, because he was not an attractive man, he might be the all-time record for fighting above your weight. Gene Simmons a kiss, an absolute contender. He's spoken about that. He says, rock and roll is great. Can you imagine a guy as ugly as me, you know, uh, getting as much blah, blah, blah? As I, yeah, that's you a know, good point. I saw, I don't remember, if, was this in the Beatles documentary or a different interview I saw with Paul McCartney where he said, we couldn't get any girls at all until we got famous. He said, you know, I know that might shock people. He said, but we were like everybody else. We tried, but we couldn't really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's tough. <laughs> Dang one. <laughs> dang with their dang, not wanting to have promiscuous sex with dang, people they barely know. Dang women. <laughs> um, maybe to kick off hour three. Got some interesting Russia stuff. There is some breaking news, some troop movements that are ominous. Wall Street Journal uh, with another op-ed. They have them every day this week about why this is a big deal and we need to pay attention to it. So we'll get into that next hour. You know, speaking of big, nasty regimes, this is so interesting. China holding the line on their zero COVID policy as the Olympics approach. And this article in the New York Times says, but some wonder for how long. Some think the no tolerance policy is unsustainable. Yeah, I think some think that because it's clearly not sustainable, especially with Omicron, please. And some of these stories are crazy. Can you imagine this, folks? I mean, as, as nut jobby as Australia's gotten, and man... Aussies, you should be ashamed of yourselves. You've lost your freaking, freaking minds. Canada's the same. But in a glitzy Shanghai shopping district, about 40 people who happened to be at the Uniqlo store were informed that they would be spending the night there. A suspected COVID case had been traced to the shop. So somebody with the vid had walked through the store, and everybody in it, they locked the doors and said, you're spending the night. Wow. Elsewhere in the same city, Anna, what's her name, was told to return to an office building she had visited for a meeting the day before. She spent 58 hours there with more than 200 strangers waiting for test results. Wow, imagine that. Across China in unpronounceable province, unpronounceable gal was on a second date, visiting a man at his parents' home when the local authorities locked down the neighborhood. By the way, second date at the parents' home. Hey, let's all slow down here. Let's take it easy. Yeah, dad's, okay. dad's saying, you've known each other for how long? A week? Why are you here? 
Yeah, the, the coffee was great, and the old walk in the park to feed the ducks was <laughs> super-duper great. Why am I at your parents' house? What's going on? Walk in the park to feed the ducks. <laughs> Don't feed the ducks, by the way. Don't feed them bread. It fills up their belly, and they starve to death. Excellent tip. Anyway, uh, where were we? Ah, back at the parents' home. Uh, authorities locked down the neighborhood. She quarantined with them for nearly 30 days. Woo! Fortunately, she said, I got along well with his family. If, uh, if, if, I hear wedding bells. If you were digging her act, that would be cool, If you're or vice versa. But if you weren't, uh, that's rough. You know, it doesn't explain how big the house is, too. I mean, that's a, that's a key question. I mean, has she got, like, her own bedroom, or is she uh, rooming with mom, or what's happening here? Yeah, could you barely fit the ping-pong table in it? I assume every uh, Chinese family has a ping-pong table. I think that's a safe assumption to make. Uh, China, which has largely kept the coronavirus at bay since 2020, <laughs> allegedly, if you Whatever. believe the damn thing they say. God dang, it drives me crazy that the media reprints what China claims. The United States has had the most COVID deaths of any country in the world. Oh, my Whatever. God. Anyway. Uh, is going to ever more extreme lengths to quell outbreaks that have proliferated around the country in recent weeks. And a growing number of people are finding their lives suddenly appended as a result, as we've been uh, describing. At least 20 million people in three cities were under full lockdown as recently as last week. 20 million people. During the last month, at least 30 major Chinese cities have reportedly have reported locally transmitted COVID cases and gotten locked down. Case numbers themselves are minuscule by global standards. And no COVID deaths have been reported. I know. These two Chinese-American reporters writing for the New York Times, I'd like to have a word with them. They know what they're doing. They're saving their families back home, probably. Yeah, I wonder. Or something. Or getting paid. Or they're stupid. Those are really only your only options. Yeah. Yeah. So far, the leadership has only doubled down on the strategy of zero COVID, which relies on mass testing, stringent border controls, extensive contact tracing, and snap lockdowns. China could have had five million deaths from COVID. It would be a a, a, a tiny dent in their population, and there's no way they would let the world know that. Here's Here's the key. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Wow, this is terrible. Okay, this is the New York Times. The authorities have suggested that the first Omicron case in Beijing may have come from a package in Canada. Wow. They've, they have since called on people across China to use caution when opening mail from overseas. Uh, in Beijing, mail is subjected to at least four rounds of disinfection, even though experts say the risk of contracting the virus from surfaces, especially paper or cardboard, is very low. Okay, experts, they say, in the New York Times... And we're keep we're taking a look at a truly hilariously idiotic idea that it was mail from Canada that that gave the the Omicron to China. Okay, I mean that's beyond idiotic. That's only the sort of thing that a communist regime could say, partly as a test of its people. Because if you dare say that's idiotic, you'll end up in a gulag. Anyway, here's where the New York Times goes for advice. It sounds unlikely to me, but I wouldn't say it's impossible, said Ben Cowling, an epidemiologist at the University of Hong Kong. Wow. They go to an expert at communist-controlled University of Hong Kong? These two New York Times journalists? And he says, I would certainly suggest that the authorities keep looking in case there are other things that could explain it. Wow, we are so far away from being on our game in this world struggle 
for the freedom of humanity, and that is not overstating it at all, between the United States and China, if the New York Times is going to run articles like that. That is just amazing. Our enemy that is hell-bent on dominating us and, 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 and you know, m- making us live the way they make people live in China is lying, and the New York Times just buys their lies. That's awful. Oh, and, 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 and when they express some slight doubt as to the veracity of, again, an idiotic claim on its face, they go to a communist-controlled university for an expert's commentary. Good Lord, Amy Quinn and Amy Chang Chien, writing for the New York Times, what is up with them? Well, like I said, they're either morons, which I doubt, or they're getting paid or threatened by China. Those are your only options. That's horrible. Love you, love you, have you on, and uh, to explain how you could write that story. That's embarrassing. Wow. Is that a legit scientific theory? We asked a communist. Whoa. Jesus. If you miss an hour of the show, get the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.